Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm the Black Johnny Depp. <laughs> I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. What? And we are delighted that you're <laughs> joining us for, for this week's discussion. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Who's you? <laughs> I thought you said Jack Sparrow. Well, Charles said Johnny Depp, and I requested Jack Sparrow. You could have changed. I'm, I'm sticking sticking to the bit. But that's that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I, I told someone once, I think it was Sandy, because I, I genuinely love I'm wearing a scarf on my head. Um, and so I look a little bit like Jack Sparrow or Johnny Depp. And you got um, I I told Sandy or someone a while ago in talking about the Pirates movies, like, oh, so like, when you think about it, I'm kind of the Jack Sparrow is teaching. I only kind of know what I'm doing. It ends up working out at the end. And I'm just always kind of drunk at work. And Sandy was like, you shouldn't. It was like, you should not actually tell that joke at work. (laughs) It's obviously not true, but. Yeah, it's not true for the listeners. (laughs) It's not true. Get a grip. It's been a long time since we've obviously. We're we're shaking off. We're shaking off the rust. But gentlemen, how are, how are we doing today? Well, before you all get into your conversation about sports. And, Our conversation. And different, you know, sports ball. But um, I, the snow is chaotic. I could have gone without it. I, I know. You're both Michiganders. Look, it's pretty. It needs to end. It just started. <laughs> it can go. <laughs> They both oh they look both the listeners they both look so disappointed. <laughs> we haven't had real snow in over a year. No, oh it's been a few years. It feels like I haven't. I mean, real snow in Maryland is yeah real. Like it's, like it's starting to look like Michigan out there. It's starting to look like one of the greatest places on earth, home yeah. of the, the best uh, football team on earth. Yeah, the snow started today. Yeah, it's fine. I just you're. Fix your face. So there's no fun. (laughs) But I do. I will say this about what I do enjoy about snow, though I don't enjoy most things about it. It it does look pretty while it's falling. I wish it would melt when it hit the ground, but it does most of the time. Yeah, which I love. But if it does stick, that like the silence that happened that comes after a heavy snow and you walk outside. And just you can't hear anything. Everything's been muffled and dampened. I adore that. Other than that, it can go. <laughs> this is disappointing. <laughs> I, I just want so much more for you. I think that's <laughs> okay. That's it. <laughs> Gosh. Um, let's let's just get let's get to the question of the week. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try to rally. <laughs> How dare you? So, so if you, you if you want to send in the question of the week, you can email us three guys at the well at gmail.com. That's the number three, then guys at the well at gmail.com, all lowercase and one word. And this question is, is coming straight from my brain. Uh, what was everyone's viewing experience of the Detroit Lions versus the LA Rams last night? Charles, we we, we 
discuss this a bit. What, the, the, the clue the clue the listeners in. How was your time of watching this glorious, mm. glorious football mm. game? Well, to be honest, as a, as a lifelong uh, Detroit Lions fan, this was a very exciting, emotional, and stressful game we watched last night. Um, it 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 ended in a victory, mm-hmm. which was uh, like a I don't even know. Like Drill and I were texting, and we honestly we don't know how we to didn't respond. Know what to do. We don't know how to act. We don't know how to act because we have spent our entire lives waiting for this moment, and it finally came. And I found myself pacing my house like a lunatic. Yep. Not knowing what to do, shaking uncontrollably with yep. excitement. Takes your face, Eli. <laughs> it yeah. No, it was when Charles says our entire like Charles, how old are you? I uh I am 33. So like he's not exaggerating. The last time until last night, the Detroit Lions won a playoff game was 32 years ago. I'm 31. So this this is a massive, massive deal. And Charles, I, I'm going to get into my own experience very briefly. But Eli, I want to throw to you. Um, how was your time of watching this historic, historic football game that I'm sure you watched every second of? I am so sorry that I missed history because yeah, I watched none of it. <laughs> And I'm okay. I'm content. But you know what? I watch vicariously through the two of you. So your joy has just captivated me. I am rejoicing with you for the Detroit Lions. Good for them. Good for them. You know, we're 15 days into the new year. And I got to be honest, you're not off to a great start. <laughs> I don't know what your resolutions were. I don't know how it is you reflect and assess areas of improvement, but there are two that you two massive deltas that you need to get under control that have revealed themselves in the opening. We're not even at at, at Colossians. So I I don't know. Just just a thought. Are that I need to like snow and I need to watch football? Improve. Yes. <laughs> Generally improve. <laughs> Namely in those two areas. I feel I feel you are wise in your own estimation there, sir. And I okay. not, it, it, he's not alone. It's not his own estimation. Charles okay. Charles agrees with me. And Char- <laughs> what is Charles on this podcast usually? The voice of reason. Threefold cord. Threefold cord. Hard to break. <laughs> Much like uh, the Lions defensive line, not like so much. Amon Ra, Amon Ra, Sam Brown, and Jared Dan Goff. Campbell. Damn the man, Biden kneecaps. I'm good. Biden kneecaps for Jesus, I'm sure. I don't know if Dan Campbell's a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, Charles and I are from Michigan. We love the Detroit Lions most for most of our lives in exercise and character building. <laughs> yeah, but this year. The genuinely great and exciting football team. They won their first playoff game yesterday. And I I, I resonate with um, Charles' sentiment that these are uh, challenging games to watch because I'm too invested. I had the realization, I was telling Sandy this, because I'm no fun to watch sports with when I really, really care about the team that's playing. I, I'm, at, I'm really fun to watch sports with if I kind of like one team and don't care about the other team. I'm still fun to watch sports with if I don't care about either team 
if I really, really care about a team, I'm no fun to watch with because I'm just pacing. I'm angry. Uh, I'm like <laughs> calling for people to be fired. It's not good. Like, it's not, I don't look like I'm enjoying myself. And if I'm honest, I'm not really enjoying myself, <laughs> but I'm committed because that's my team. And if anyone is going to be a nervous wreck watching him, it's going to be me because I've watched them in so many other uh situations so yeah it's 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 tough man but we got the win uh we're gonna face the winner of a game that's gonna start pretty soon eminem was there did like a pre-game thing it was uh it was a good time it's a really good time eli you wouldn't understand i'm glad i don't you could this, though this sounds like its own problem <laughs> so good though dan campbell eli you love dan campbell you would love dan campbell why would I love Dan Campbell? Charles, why would you love Dan Campbell? Because Dan Campbell is an authentic human being. He is—he is what, what like you see before you, and like, like he's a man's man. Like he's a man of his word. He loves his people, mm-hmm. like loves his people, and invests in his people. He took a quarterback who was literally discarded, like thrown away for Got trash. From a from a city, and he built him from literally. Jared Goff would say he was he 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 was somewhat depressed. He didn't believe in himself, and he had Dan Campbell just build into him. We believe in you. We want you here. You are skilled and an asset to this city, to this team. And they went out after three years of him building him up and beat his replacement beat his replacement and this there's no matthew stafford slander on the show no we there's love not matthew stafford he is love our quarterback love always forever love forever. him love his family he had to lose last night and he had to lose had to. Had to. jared had to turn the page as we march and then preach to the super bowl preach the gospel of the lions well well cook it up cook cooking dan campbell this guy this freaking guy. Yeah, no, Eli, you got to get into it, man. It's um, it's a lovely existence. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you are, though. But we'll, um, <laughs> I'm sure the Lions will come up more as we carry on. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> like, every reference is about the Lions. <laughs> no, I is an old story in scripture about Daniel and the Lions, Dan. Speaking <laughs> of... NFC North champs. One pride. <laughs> One pride. Ah! So, uh, so good. So good. I have to send you guys a video of my reaction after the game. <laughs> oh, I'll have to send you Chelsea took a reaction video as well. It was... Did, any, did either one of you put a hole, a hole in the wall? <laughs> no holes in walls. Um, okay, No good. holes in walls. I, um... I did throw my hat. Okay, I'm fine I did, with that. I did throw my hat. I yelled at our dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that's, no different than that's on brand. Yeah, it's on brand. And in fairness, in fairness, it caught some strays he didn't deserve. Like I was, I was caught up in the moment, and I just yelled because I didn't know what else to do. And he had, I was, I was, it was just releasing emotion, and he just kind of looked at me like, "Why are you yelling at me?" I feel like you're the reason that dog is anxious. No, he's anxious because he's a coward. That's <laughs> it's a character issue, not a it's, issue. it is him as an individual. 
Oh, no. Anyway, we're here to talk about Colossians. So <laughs> we've been doing a series not on the Detroit Lions, Meteoric Rise to America, dar- America's Darling. Um, but a series on the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, uh, titled letters in which we take the letter that Paul wrote and apply its message essentially to the Western church today. And it based off of a tweet by some dude you'd think I'd remember his name at this point. I think we just pulled up the tweet once. So it's what some dude who said uh, about the American church, if, if the apostle Paul were alive today, like y'all would be getting a letter. And so just kind of cleaning what we can from the things that were important to Paul in context with letters to these churches and applying them to uh, the church today. Um, so we've been all over the place, have had a lot of good discussions in this week's letter is from Colossians. So as we've done with all of the episodes in this season, we are going to look to the Bible Project for resources on summarizing these letters to get an idea for the context of the of in which it was written, the main things Paul was trying to get to the people and any other surrounding details that will help us better kind of put flesh and bones on when it was written, why it was written, and such. Um, so use, again, to, we're not sponsored by the Bible Project. They just do really, really good work. Um, like I'm going to read just text for that's a summary. They have videos, audio transcripts. They have amazing resources. If you're trying to uh, study scripture more in the new year, uh, Use make use of all the things that they have. So this is in the Bible Project in a summary of the book of Colossians. Paul encourages the church in Colossae to withstand the cultural pressures of living in a world filled with visible rulers like corrupt religious leaders and invisible powers like deceptive spiritual beings. The church can withstand these pressures because it has been rescued to live in a world, to live in a new world, God's new creation. King Jesus rules this new creation by bringing God's invisible world to our tangible world. He rules with forgiveness, honor, and generosity. He welcomes every human, no matter their ethnicity, social standing, age, or gender, and he never uses fear, coercion, or exploitation to establish his authority on earth. Best of all, Jesus' new creation does not end in death. Jesus promises that those who trust in him survive the grave through resurrection with him. When we believe this, we no longer need to fight to win or survive. We can truly love others instead. Living this way with Jesus allows his new creation to become a visible and experienced reality on earth as it is in heaven even in the midst of life's daily pressures and suffering. So that backdrop given to the book of Colossians, what were passages that stood out and how do you think they kind of give us a glimpse into what Paul's writings to the Colossians, what kind of, what um, promises or warnings they hold for the church today? So thank you, first of all, Jerome, um, uh, for the sort of, introduction to today's conversation. Um, one of the first things that came to mind was, okay, well, how do I begin to summarize what Paul's letter to the church in Colossae was? And for me, uh, it, it covers who Christ is in God, and therefore, because of his identity, what well, we are in Christ. And so because Christ has secured your salvation, disciples, don't forsake it, endure. Um, this is a massive... Uh, brief as it is, this is a massive letter about enduring to the end and, and holding on to what Christ has secured for you. Um, 
he starts off his letter introducing, like, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he goes on to say what he and his other uh, co-workers are praying for um, about the church in Colossae, how proud they are of their endurance and, and how they've made it up until this point after hearing the gospel. Um, and he says, I love this, this verse, chapter 1, verse 10, and so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so that's verses uh, 10 through 12. And it, it talks about making it to the end. It talks about what has been secured for you. It talks about the fact that you're being strengthened. It talks about the fact that you're actually capable of walking in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, which I don't, because we are still tempted and are capable of sinning, even after our, um, even after our conversion to Christ, we can oftentimes fail to be convinced they were capable of truly living different lives, of being empowered to resist sin, of like actually changing in our core. And this verses 10 through 12 is a huge reminder about, no, 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 because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has accomplished in you, you actually can, you can live a different life and you can walk in a manner that is worthy of all things worthy of the Lord. Um, and I, I think the church is so concerned with, or just Pete, I won't even say the church as a whole, but people within the church are so concerned with why people do certain things, sort of the background of people's lives. And, oh, this is why I do this. This is why I sin in these ways. This is why I'm tempted in these ways. Rather than saying, you're, you're clinging a little bit too aggressively to your former self, justifications that you've made for sins in the past. You're allowed to break away from those things now. You can live a different life. And so one of the things I think if, if the churches in America were getting a letter today from Paul or any apostle, um, it would include in it, do you believe that you're different? It would, it would be a challenging question of, do you believe that you're different? Do you believe that you died with Christ? Do you believe that that happens and that that does a work in you that allows you to be sustained until the end? God is good. God is good enough to overshadow your wickedness and your wretchedness. Do you believe that? Are you or are you just still overwhelmed by who you are? I like that. The that last bit of do you believe that you are different or are you just you say overwhelmed with who you are? Am I quoting right? I th I think that that's it speaks a lot of truth into just the difference between like knowing the right things to say and like knowing what's in scripture, but I'll, then believing okay, but is this true? And if it is true, yeah. then what? victory am I walking in in my own life? I think it's really, really well said. Yeah, that's Eli, once again, coming through with the banger. Um, I think this is somewhat related, but um, on a different path, one of the passages is actually quite, uh, I was, I think I was reading this the second time through and prep for our podcast. And one specific verse kind of like popped out to me. It's, um, Chapter three, verse 14, it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And especially the, that image of clothing yourself with love. 
And I was struck with the fact that if a person isn't clothed, right, <laughs> they're naked. And if we, and I was thinking about going all the way back to the beginning of, uh, of the Bible in Genesis, where Adam and Eve were naked. They didn't need clothes until sin, sin entered the world. And the sin that entered was shame. They were ashamed of themselves, ashamed of their nakedness, ashamed of their sin. And uh, I, I promise I'm getting somewhere here. Uh, it, I think if you look at Western society today, maybe our, our culture as a whole, we have seemed to lost a sense of shame surrounding bodies surrounding sin surrounding um identity even the identity of being called a christian or a son or daughter of jesus christ with there there is no shame um and we could spend three podcasts talking about that in its of itself and so i felt like paul wrote clothe yourselves with love <laughs> and i feel like paul would urge west the western church or the individuals i love how you you kind of uh kind of nuanced that eli and said like the, the individuals within the body of christ to to recapture this idea of love um and to clothe ourselves with it with it because without it we are naked and and that's not good <laughs> that's not how we're supposed to be um and I felt like to tie it to a verse in, in chapter one, we should clothe ourselves in one in love so that we can continually or continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel, which is what Paul wrote in verse uh, 23 of chapter one. Um, so this idea that love, clothing ourselves in love, acting in love, living in this reality of love securely and uh, establishes us in faith. And and I was also thinking uh, Hebrews 11, 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, and we can't be steadfast in faith without a response. Um, and feelings, emotions, they shift and change given situations, opinions, thought processes, but faith doesn't do that. And, and so I felt like there was this call throughout this book uh, of Paul saying, live in love, respond, have your life be in response to God's love for you so that you can be steadfast in faith, a faith that isn't swayed by opinions or currents of thought but are is steadfast in the gospel truth um and and because it's so because without it you can't please god and not that that's our 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 sole purpose we're not acting or living our life so that we can please god but because we want to respond to his love for us and to do that we we need to be surrounded embraced by love and not just by his love but then uh reflecting that love to other people um and so i just this i would see paul urging us to recapture that idea and that living out as opposed to uh assenting to an idea but saying there's more to that than just like 
uh, oh, I like I like that phrase, clothe myself in love, but say like, okay, now there's the rest of, of scripture is how do you respond to that? How do you actually clothe yourself in love? Uh, and Paul saying, go do that. <laughs> I love the one love, love the overarching point about clothing ourselves in love, about adherence and fidelity to what Christ has presented us with in the truth. Love that you brought up chapter one, verses uh, 23 and 24, or just 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Like one of the things that I know or that I firmly believe if there was an apostle alive today who was writing out letters, like so many different Christian church traditions are falling prey and being convinced by shifting and unstable rhetoric. I mean, there are so many church leaders and there's so much division within different church tra traditions um, that are now being divided over rhetoric that the world is presenting them with, whether it be the points that you made earlier about identity, sexuality, um, anything that's sort of floating around, like we've been like witchcraft, family dynamic, everything is is under assault right now. Everything about the human person is is under attack. And, and there be uh, there would be huge warnings and red flags in this in this letter uh, taken from these notes talking about, you all are not stable. You all are not steadfast in your faith. You all are not continuing on. You all have chosen to align yourself with shifting ideologies. And so my my question for both of you is, what do you think that it means? Um, and, and this is like after, Jarrell, you bring up what passages were important to you, of course, but just something to, to float to the both of you. Like, what are practical examples of shifting from the hope of the gospel? that we could encourage and challenge listeners to not jump onto or that we've seen. Hopefully the second passage I'm going to speak on will transition into an answer to that question. I think it's a really good question. Praise the Lord. Um, we'll see I'll, if I can tie these two together because I think they're connected, but that might just be a tenuous idea in my head. Um, so the... The first passage that like stuck out to me was chapter two, and this is verses 20 through 23. So the very end of chapter two. Um, Therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things with pe which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against indulgence of the flesh. So this first one um, stuck out to me because it, it speaks to the, you know, Jesus talks about um, when he's like, like Pharisees, he mentions, you know, if you're going to pray, like go in your room, do it quietly. Don't do like these long showy prayers um, there is a lot in the church at the time and religious leaders at the time, some of which are talked about in this book, which are about like kind of the, the pageantry of, uh, like out intentionally like outward facing, uh, religion instead of genuine faith, um, in who 
who Jesus is. And so in, and that's what Paul's warning against here. Like he's not saying, he's not saying here, don't do, don't they, to the point, don't uh, maintain fidelity to the gospel. He's saying, don't get caught up with the things that people do that are man-made traditions and the things that are maybe more pious, the things that are maybe more intentionally look at me because those things, as he says at the end, uh, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed, um, but our self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against indulgence of the flesh. So he's kind of warning against don't do things that look Christian while also not living, like as Charles said, actually clothed in love. Like don't just look the part um, because that's, it says it has no value against indulgence of the flesh. So like you won't really be walking in the freedom that Jesus has. You won't be walking in, um, to what Eli said of like actually living different, you'll just be looking like someone who is, um, which just speaks to the genuineness of faith and what it's supposed to be and not like putting on a show. Like I, we've said it, I think on this podcast, a lot of friend of ours, um, Jeff would say, look good or get help. Like, but you can't do both. Um, and so there's, there's an honesty to not just playing a part, um, but actually, seeking the Lord faithfully and trying to um, do the things um, to Charles's point that are response to God's love, not just um, things that look like it. Um, I thought it was helpful because like every, everybody knows how to play Christian, like everyone, <laughs> whether you grew up in church or not, like everyone knows what like a typical like Christian or evangelical prayer like sounds like or what the like stereotypes of that kind of life could look like. Um, but if those things aren't done as a genuine response to who Jesus is, then they're of no value. And if that's all you're doing, then what are you really doing? Um, and I think that it's, it's just easy to blend in. So like to your point, Eli, about as well, like, being misguided by shifting doctrines it's easy to just do a bunch of stuff and be like oh but look at this um so i i, I think that's important um in my own life and in uh to be aware of am i going through the motions with things um i think it's relevant to, to this conversation as well um the second thing that hopefully will uh tie into your um question eli is at the end of chapter three um and this is one I'm not going to get into the uh, <laughs> the details of like the uh, hot button issues around some of these verses, but um, verses 18 through to the end of the chapter, uh, Paul says, wives submit to your own husbands is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children uh to anger lest they become discouraged discouraged bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye services men pleasers but in sincerity of heart fearing god um whatever you do do it heartily to the lord not to men knowing that from the lord you'll receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the lord christ but he who does wrong he who does wrong will be repaid for what he's done and there is no partiality so there's a lot of there's many sermons and think pieces and articles that are, are written about a lot of uh, these verses, particularly as it relates to husbands and wives. And 
as I'm not going to get into that, but I think it highlights a sentiment that is really important. And it's something that I do think is under attack in one of the ways that um, we can kind of fall away. And it's, it's the simple, simple idea that as a follower of Jesus, you are responsible to people like not for, like, it's not necessarily like in some cases, yeah, if you got kids are responsible for your kids. Um, but you are responsible to people. You exist not on an island um, of your own making and of your own doing where you can just kind of do what you want. You exist connected to a lot of other people, whether it is a spouse, a parent, a child, um, a boss. Like you, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you are responsible to people. And one of the ways that I think people... Um, and hopefully this answers your question, Eli. One of the ways I think it's easy for people to kind of fall into unstable doctrine is this idea that you don't really need to consider the people in your life that you are responsible to. This idea that like life exists to serve your purposes above others. Um, and in so do in so in that there being a lack of willingness um to be uncomfortable for the sake of other people um to actually be and to actually be told simply hey you can't do that right like i think that we as a society we've normalized this sense of even when you're doing something that's objectively wrong if there's a good enough reason for it it's actually fine and we may not say it like that, yeah, but yeah. it is. And we do so much of kind of reverse engineering our own excuses and our own reasons why this is good because this was my upbringing and this was the situation that I was in in this place and this is my mental state here. And it's not that that's not valid. Like, I'm not saying don't be honest with yourself. I'm saying that there could be a very good reason why in relation with in relation with your wife or your husband or your kid or your boss or your friend there would be very good reason why you are maybe failing in that relationship and you should deal with that but it's also it do, but it doesn't excuse that issue right it doesn't make that suddenly okay just because there's a good reason for it god understands that he sees that but if you take the mindset of, well, no, 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 this is my truth and my experience. And so because of that, I'm just going to neglect my responsibility to deal with that thing. That's also disobedience, right? Like I, like in my own life, like my own like personal hangups or areas of sin that I struggle with, there could be good reasons for it. It, it could have a lot to do with like things I, I was exposed to by other people. It could, it could do a lot with my own like insecurities of things, but if I'm not dealing with it, but I keep saying, well, the only reason I do this is because of this. It's like, well, am I actually, am I living clothed in love? Am I living free? I, I need to think of a, a more, a, a more specific example, but that would be my, I, uh, I guess answer to that. And like, commendation to the listeners of like look there's good reasons why we make mistakes but let's deal with them as with grace for ourselves but as if they are mistakes because i think too often it just becomes 
my reason is good enough, so I don't have to change. And sometimes the answer is you do have to change. And we need, because we are responsible to each other, we need to be willing to accept that. Um, again, graciously, but accept it. Amen. I love that answer. Love that answer. I love the part about like being able, like holding the tension of um, understanding that there is grace, but also understanding that there is also the responsibility and the expectation from God's perspective that there is transformation, right? Like grace is not a loophole to obedience. It's the thing that is, that empowers us to be obedient. Um, and so I, yeah, I snaps all day preach. It's like, and as well, my last thing before we I mm. open up again, but like, so I like, I've got a, a nine month old who I think just woke up a second ago. Um, as we've mentioned here, as you guys know, I didn't grow up with a dad. Like I, I've grew up around people's dads, but I've, 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 I didn't grow up watching a guy like love a wife. Well, let alone love a kid. Well, and so, and so that's a genuine thing of like, even as old as I'm 31 and there's still things where I'm like, I, I'm still figuring that out. And I'm learning from uh, men like Charles and Orlando and like guys in my life who I love and respect. Um, but there are going to be things where I'm like, I, I'm close. I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally closed off in this area, or I don't know how to respond to this thing. I can know that, but if every time it like caused tension in my marriage, I just kept saying to Sandy, well, you know, didn't really grow up with a dad kind of figuring a out a lot of this on the fly. She'd have grace for that. And she would love me for that. But at the same time, how many times am I going to say that and not at, if I didn't deal with it and actually think, well, I know I'm emotionally closed off in this area. What do I do to deal with it? Not just how do I pray into that? Like, do I need to go to therapy to talk to someone about this to actually address it? Um, is there an area that I need to in, in is if I've like, um, offended saying in some ways a way that I need to actually like ask for forgiveness in that. If I kept saying, yeah, it's really, it's, it was really hard growing up without a dad and it was making me a crap husband and a crap father. Well, it's like, that could be true, but you could also be blowing it in ways that like aren't acceptable. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that's a more specific example of like something that's like, that's not my fault, but it is my responsibility. Yup. Well said. And I think like going back to, what I think Paul would be teasing out is if if that's the excuse or that's what's just said, then that's not clothing yourself in love because love is is not is not um, apathetic. It's not uh, static. Right. It's dynamic. It's a response. And, and that's a cop out. That's an excuse. And that's not what love is. You know, Jesus could have been like, I'm God. I don't need any of you. I don't need to go to the cross. That's but that's not love. That's not what he did. He knew what he needed to do. And he embraced the cross and went to Calvary. And that passage that you you mentioned, Sherelle, it encourages husbands to be Christ to their wives. Right. So, like, yeah, it's 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 not uh it doesn't work that way. Um, that's not that's like saying that's like appearing to be a Christian, but not actually walking it out. Um and to uh, to to something you were saying, Jarell, of being responsible to and for people, and to answer your question, Eli, um, I think um, part of the answer and part of be responding to being responsible to and for people, uh, I also was uh, drawn to um, uh, chapter four, verses twelve, 
uh, where he says, this guy Epiphras, who is one of you, um, greets you. He's always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. And I was just struck that he included this in this letter. Like, who is this guy? I don't know if we ever hear about this guy ever again in scripture. But the main point is that this guy is praying for you so that you stand mature in Christ. And I feel like it's highlighting the power and the necessity of intercessory prayer. And so for, for us to say, you know, let's be praying for these people, for people who, who might be uh, labeling themselves but not walking out Christians, that the Lord would intervene on their behalf, come in and power, have a have a Saul movement and make them into Paul, knock them on their butt and say, you're, hey, you're not living the way that I'm calling you to, to your full potential. Um, and, and, and are we doing that, you know, for our families, for our wives, for our children, for our brother, for our church family? Are we interceding on their behalf? I think because once we start taking on this, I'm going to be praying and interceding for our people, um, that, that gets us in line with the mind of God, which is one way to not fall into uh different uh currents that that go against the gospel um another practical example i thought about is um i like to say i'm a student of my wife right like to it to to actually be a better husband i need to study my wife and know my wife and that is an ongoing never ending thing I know my wife a lot better than I did when I first married her. And it takes effort. Uh, but it is, I love her. I love my wife. And so I am willing to put in that effort. And I think the same is true to try to avoid uh, the bad stuff and get into the gospel. We have to be students of the gospel. And I think I've said this before, we've said this before, not just coming to church on a Sunday and listening to a good sermon, right? Like it's getting in the word, learning to listen to the voice of God, not just that comes from the word, but that that comes from your personal relationship with him. Because if we are a student of God's word and how it is that we're we're supposed to to clothe ourselves in love, to respond to Jesus's love. If we learn to listen to his authentic voice and not the voice that's uh, clothing itself in wisdom from the world, but his voice that comes from scripture and our relationship with him, then we're going to be very easily be able to discern um, what is of the Lord and what is not, or what uh, either is like blatantly not of the Lord or what says like, oh yeah, this is in line with Christian teaching but it's a it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's it, it, it's using terminology and different lies to to try to undercut the gospel. Uh, and I think that would be something that Paul would tell us because that takes work. That's more than just going to church on a Sunday. That's more than just saying, "Oh yeah, I'm a Christian." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because being a Christian takes work. It's countercultural. And I think we need more people to t be willing to take on that work, right? Like we need more people to be like, I am willing to study the word. I am willing to engage in 
in difficult conversations. I'm willing to face my own weaknesses so that I can better respond to love, so that I can better be love to those people that I am responsible to and for, who rely on me, who befriend me, who love me, um, to better love God and love our neighbor. Amen. Amen. I love both of these answers. I'm so happy that you brought up uh, the Epaphras verse, Charles. Like, because as we talk specifically about, like you were talking about being willing to suffer for the sake of, for someone else's sake, right? So oftentimes prior to conversion and, and being brought into the body of Christ, we are like ultimately concerned with self-preservation. And you even hit on this as well, Jarrell, like this constant making excuses and despite using damage as an excuse to persist in um certain habits and behaviors that are unhelpful for the relate that are unhelpful and even undermine the relationships that you're currently in right and so like there is this reality of what it means to suffer for someone else uh you mentioned it in chapter four charles this, this epaphras uh servant of jesus christ who's struggling on your behalf in his in his prayers but even earlier Paul writes about himself, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister to according to stewardship from God that is given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And so Paul is saying, I am suffering for the upbuilding of the church so that the glory of God may be fully known across wherever he was ministering to, right? And so there is this notion of when you go from your former self to your new self in Christ, there is generated within you the understanding that you yourself are, a, are, a are now a sacrifice. And I think it is beautiful, and that is most highlighted in chapter three, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with, within Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so I, I think the letter to the, to the churches in America would also include an assignment for those who really want to be students of the word, like you said, Charles. And the assignment is, what does it mean that I have died with Christ? And I think the Christian 101 answer is, well, I no longer have to deal with the consequences of my sin because he dealt with them on the cross. Cool. Let's let's move on to some higher level thinking, though. Let's really ponder and meditate on the world, the word day and night and ask, like, ask the word, ask the spirit, like ask God, but also think on your own. Think critically. What does it mean that I've died? Like I'm I'm alive in the flesh, but like what what about me is dead now? And what does it mean for it to no longer exist, for it to no longer breathe? What died, what part of me died with Christ on the cross? And how do I think about in, that in such a way that it actually impacts how I live my life, such that I am now an, a, a, a life offering on this side of eternity? I hope that makes sense. But I, I love what both of you said to answer the question. And I'm jazzed now to continue to study the word and, and ponder this question myself. I like that point of I what is it what does it mean that I've like that I've died and like what have I died to? Um 
and yeah, just getting to the heart of, because that's like, to Charles, your point, so much of Paul's writings in general, especially in Ephesians is like, know who Jesus really is so you can sift through the things that are doing a poor imitation of him. And this idea of like, just kind of saying, oh yeah, I've died, but not thinking about it kind of fits in with that. Like that's the Christianese, like we all have heard it. Uh, you can put not a lot behind the meaning of it, or you can take that to the scripture, take that to prayer, figure out what it actually means. Um, because in to use your example, like studying, like learning your wife, like when you uh, are, when we grow in fidelity in our relationship with Christ and we uh, learn to love him more, it is easier to know the things that are like, that doesn't sound like him. Like that, that doesn't sound like something he would say, like as we would, if it was one of us, like there's a lot, there's probably things with a, like, with a vague understanding of anybody. You could be like, Oh yeah, Eli said this thing. And then, and then followed up with like, well, that doesn't sound like something he would actually be into. And so I think the, the challenge is know who God actually is beyond the things that are um, easy, that are passive, um, that are uh, just kind of repeated because it's been said so many times. Um, know who God truly is as a person, as a person who loves you. And a lot of the rest of this, that doesn't come easy, but it does make it easier to discern and it does make it easier to act in confidence in that. That is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, as always, you can check us out at thewell.podbeam.com. We upload new episodes on Mondays, typically, well, wherever you get your podcast from, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram, not so much Facebook. We're, uh, maybe we're investigating that. Uh, and if you want more bonus content, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash at the well. Um, we'll talk to you soon here at the well.